Check, check, check. How's that, Matt? Is that better? All right, good. Good. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught that, but in case you didn't notice, Morvin managed to tick me and Eli off both in the same day. So he's like got one pastor left at the church that still actually likes him. Um, <laughs> but no, we, we love Morvin. We love, we love his vision. Oh, actually, at Sean. Sean's like, nope. I'm out. Sean's like, so-so. It's so-so. The relationship with Morvin. Wow. Morvin, you're 0 for 3, buddy. Wow, that's something else. We're going to be in Matthew today, so if you have your Bibles, you can, you can open there to uh, Matthew 6. And as you know, we're doing a series here, um, and I it just slipped my, drop a stress size. It's on, the, it's on the wall right there. Drop a stress size. And we've been talking about this for three weeks. And we feel like this is important because we hear this from our people probably more than anything else. I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm stressed out. And there's a verse in uh, John 10.10, and it says this, The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus wants you to have a life that you enjoy. He wants you to have a life that is fulfilled and to the full and overflowing. And I want you to have that same life as well. When it says that the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy, he's not coming for your stuff. He's not coming for your body. He's coming for your joy. That's what he wants. And Jesus says, no, I have come that you will have life and you will have an enjoyable life and have it to the fullest. So I want you to enjoy life and I want you to enjoy your life. And so we've been talking about how to do that. That requires effort. Most of us think to lower our stress, we need to relax more. Well, actually, oftentimes we have to learn to lean in. That's why the first week we talked about fills and drains and how we have to fill ourselves up to be able to pour ourselves out. There are things in life that drain us, but there are things in life that fulfill us. And we have to learn to invest in those important, valuable relationships. We have to learn to invest in environments, invest in our finances, invest invest in our schedule so that those things that drain us when they come along we have margin in our lives to be able to handle that and then we talked about balance we talked about last week how we love it when everything kind of lines up and it's in order and then we say to ourselves don't move but that's unrealistic isn't it how everything just kind of falls at different directions at different times. And there is pressures that are added to life at different times. And what we have to learn to do is be the fulcrum in our lives. To stay balanced, we just have to move. When pressure comes over here, we move that direction to keep everything in order. And so we talked about balance and what that looks like. Well, today, we're going to dive in to this word called rest. And this is an important word. We see it a lot in Scripture. And we're going to talk about what it means to rest. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for what you're going to do in our hearts and lives. Lord, I ask that you would help us to remove all distraction so, Lord, we could focus on you this day, that our hearts would be good ground, ready to have seed planted and ready for a hundredfold harvest. Lord, we want to move mightily in what you have for us, so just lead us, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to get into this, and, and this is going to be a, a day of truth. And this is going to be an intense day of truth. There is so much to this that it is almost impossible for me to put this together in a 40-minute talk. And when I was talking to my staff, I was like, guys, we, I have to cut some things out when we're talking about this because there is just so much to this. And so I want to just 
kind of recommend to you that if you really need this, if this is something that you see and it speaks volumes to you as we go through the, the truth of the Scripture together, that you come Wednesday night to the, to the recap and that you bring your questions and ideas and Morvan will be able to expound on it. You guys will be able to go deeper into the personal side of this and exactly what you need because rest is such a big deal in what we're talking about. But let's talk about the definition of rest. Rest means this, to allow to be inactive in order to regain strength, health, or energy. That's what it means. To allow to be inactive in order to regain strength, health, or energy. Now let me tell you my problem with this. A couple of months ago we did a series called Year After Year where we had golf balls and we talked about how Americans spend their time. Do you guys remember that? In that I did a lot of research and there were some things that I came up with that just kind of shocked me. One of those things was this, that over two-thirds of Americans actually get more than the recommended amount of sleep. That we are getting, based on national statistics, we are getting enough sleep, which kind of shocked me. Why? Because we're always tired. Another thing that shocked me was when I did some more research, I found out that 56.5% of Americans are unhealthily sedentary. That means we are not moving enough. So when we talk about that inactivity, we are very inactive. In fact, only 18.2% of Americans get the amount of movement they need to be healthy. 18.2% get the recommended amount of movement in their lives. So when I read this definition of rest, allow it to be inactive in order to, to regain strength, health, and energy, and then I see these stats that we are actually very sedentary, that we are inactive, and that activity is just not a big part of our lives, the question goes, well, why are we so tired? Why are we so exhausted? And I'm so glad you asked that question, because I'm going to give you that answer, all right? We are tired, church. Because we have forgotten that we are a three-part being. That there is more than our bodies at stake here. And we have not learned how to rest our souls and how to rest our minds. We've not learned how to do it appropriately. In fact, we have kind of gone against what science says. I went to uh, the Ohio State Wrestling Clinic, and I do it every year. They get together all the coaches in the area, and we get to sit, and we get to talk to their coaches, their staff, and they go through numbers, they go through sciences and studies, because this is the elite. Uh, in wrestling, there's only one step above college wrestling, and that is uh, Olympic wrestling. And so this is kind of the elite of the elite, and they have all kinds of studies to help their athletes be the best athletes that they can be. And the thing that they talked about last year, and they talked about it again this year, and it just shocks me, is they talk about screen time. And by screen time, I'm talking about, you know, your iPhones or your phones, your, your computers, your iPads, your television, those types of things. And they said this, an hour, and they've, two years in a row, and they have all these studies to show it. One hour of screen time directly before bed cuts your sleep effectiveness in half. In half. That means if you sleep for eight hours, you essentially only get four hours of effective sleep. And they said the reason is, is because right before you go to bed, you activate your brain through those blue lights that come through your screens. 
And we think that we are going to go home. It's 9.30. I'm tired. I'm going to go home. I'm going to flip on the TV, and I'm going to go to sleep. I mean, this is their research. I'm not, this is them. So we go home. We turn on the TV. We decide we're going to watch an hour and a half movie. Then we go in to go to bed, and we essentially have cut the effectiveness of our sleep in half. Why? Because even though our bodies are resting for eight hours, our minds cannot. And so they have rules and regulations for their wrestlers where they are only allowed to watch so much TV and they have to shut it off an hour or two hours before they go to bed. And they're not supposed to look at it and check those things out. Why? Because they want to learn to rest and shut down their brains. And that's what they do for their wrestlers. You see, we've got to change the way we think when we talk about rest because we are more than just our bodies. We are a body, we are a mind, and we are a spirit. And we are walking around wounded in spirit and exhausted in mind. And we, we wonder why we're tired. That is why. Church, we're getting plenty of sleep, but we are not learning how to effectively get rest for our minds and our spirits. We have examples of this all the time. You know, your body was designed to work. You were given that before the curse. It says it in the Bible. Adam was given the, the privilege and the responsibility to subdue the land. He was given that before the curse. Your body was designed to work. So it's made to move. But we get exhausted because we get exhausted in our emotions, in our spirit, and in our minds. I made the wonderful mistake of trying to take all five of my kids grocery shopping yesterday. <laughs> That's right. Laugh away. I deserve it. I just wanted to be together. That's what I wanted. I just wanted to be together. Now, we were in Aldi for 45 minutes. Let me tell you, walking in Aldi for 45 minutes is not physically exhausting. But I went home and took a three-hour nap <laughs> after that experience. Why? Because you guys know this. There are things that just <laughs> drain your spirit, suck the life right out of you. And shopping is one of those things, and trying to direct the kids could be that as well. But there's other things. We know this, right? It's not about physical. It's so much about mental and spiritual. And so we're going to talk today, the rest of the time, and I'm going to run out of time, but we're going to talk today about how we make this happen and what we look at to, to really accomplish this, to really have energy, to really be fulfilled, to be able to enjoy our lives because we're not walking around like dead men walking. We're, we're not exhausted all the time, that we are full of willpower, we are full of energy, we are full of health. That's what I want for all of us. So Matthew 6, this is our scripture. And I have several other scriptures that we're going to hit, but this is our big one for today. Matthew 6, 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I mean, if I said, you know, how many people struggle with anxiety or worry or those types of things, probably almost all of us would lift our hands. I don't know how many times I struggle sleeping at night because I have anxiety in my mind and I can't get my brain to shut off. I can't get it to shut off. And so therefore, I can't sleep. How many people know, and, and, and you don't have to read, but we know that our brain controls so much of our body, doesn't it? So much of our body. Men, let me let you in on a little secret. If you want your wife to respond to you, you know, it's not about her body, it's about her mind. It's about her mind. And so we have to learn to, to work minds, our, our brains. That's what it's about. She's got to know that you love her. She's got to know it. In, your, in her mind, she's got to know it. 
And we try and approach things the wrong way. It's because of the mind. When we're talking about rest, so much of it has to do with the mind. Do not be anxious. What is anxiety? And I want to define this for you because it defines it at the end. It is worry or anticipation that distracts from the moment. We see this here. Therefore, in verse 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, anxiety gets us our minds on the future and off of the moment. And we miss, church, we miss so much of our lives because of our anxiousness. And that's not just worry. I've been convicted of this this week, which is kind of unique because I never thought of it this way. But, you know, my wife and I are taking a small trip this week together, just the two of us, uh, without the kids. And we're going to enjoy a couple of nights together. And, and I have been so excited about that that it has been hard for me to focus on the moments. That's that anxiety as well. I am missing today, not enjoying today, because my eyes are on the future. And so we can define it that way. So the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. Why? Because it distracts us from the moment. But we see here this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He goes on to describe what that's like and how God has taken care of the birds and the, and the flowers and how they all look amazing. And therefore, God is going to take care of you. In verse, let me see, 30, he says this, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You know how he describes people who are anxious? He describes them as people of little faith. That if we want to rid ourselves of anxiety, we have to learn to put our faith and trust in him. Faith that goes beyond our understanding. I absolutely love that song that Zoe sang, The Fight My Battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Meaning, yeah, there's all this mess going on around me, but that's okay. I've got the bubble that is Jesus around me, and you can't get to me. You can't. Boy, could you imagine how strong we would be if we had that guarding our hearts and our minds like the Scripture tells us? That if we had that, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I watched a documentary where the Roman soldiers, and this was Caesar before he was, you know, emperor, sort of. Caesar, he goes in to fight in, in Germania. And this, this giant army surrounds him. And he built this big wall around it. And what he did that was brilliant is he actually taught his soldiers and himself to live off the land. So they didn't have to have roads that were open to bring them supplies. They were able to take care of it all right there. And so, yes, there was this big army surrounding them, but it didn't matter. They had a fence that was surrounding them that was protecting them, and they were able to survive and win. They were outnumbered. It should not have happened. They should not have won, but they did. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's my faith and trust in God. I, I should not win this battle, but because Jesus is on my side, and if he is for me, who could be against me? I will win. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You see, anxiety is a, is a perfect sign of little faith. How are we going to combat anxiety? We have to grow our faith. And the Bible tells us how to do that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on. So it says, we of little faith. Let's talk about this next verse here, 31 and then, of course, 32 and 33. 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Not seek second, not seek third, not seek fourth, but seek first. Here's what I'm going to say when it comes to rest, church. We have to learn to build our spirits, build our minds, build our bodies first. We have to know that we have to be strong in those things to be able to pour into others. What mistake do we make? We spend our entire lives with our calendars and with our lives full just like this. Every day is covered with numerous events. And then what do we do? We write rest. And we say to ourselves, where am I going to fit this in? Let me see. You know, if I move some things around on Thursdays, maybe I will be able to get the rest that I need. Maybe I will be able to build my spirit. Maybe I will be able to help my mind and do what I need to do if I move things around. Well, what the Bible's telling us here, and we can see in another scripture that I'm going to show you, is it says seek first the kingdom of God, and all the rest will take care of itself. What if, church, instead of having our schedules full like this and trying to find places to fit God to help grow our spirit, trying to find places to help our minds recoup like computers to shut off and develop, to store things, what if we decided to do that first? See, there's this in, in Genesis, and this was just brought to my attention recently. In Genesis 1, he talks about, I have this Bible so I can get there real fast. 1, 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. I love that. Because what he talks about there is there was evening, and then there was morning the first day. How many people know that your morning is usually set up by the evening before? Isn't that true? Because what you do and how you go to bed and how you respond at night and in the morning makes a big difference for your entire day. Maybe that's why the Lord tells us, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Because you are setting yourself up for the next day. Because what he wants us to do is he wants us to start off right. We can look at the Old Testament and talk about the Sabbath and how that was the seventh day and they rested. We tend to use it on Sunday. So what if church, what if we decided that before we put these things on, that we were going to put exactly what we needed on there to be healthy ourselves. And church, this requires discipline and it is not easy. And we're going to talk about this in a little more in detail. But we have to do this. I remember, you know, having a quiet time myself and getting up early in the morning. And I've done this for years because I was taught to do it by my father. So I would get up and I would have my Bible reading time and my prayer time. And so often, especially Malachi when he was little, he would wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm out there reading my Bible. And he would come out with his stuffed animal and his blanket and in his pajamas just looking as cute as he could. And you know what he wanted to do? He'd want to climb up on dad's lap and sit with dad while I was trying to read. And there was, I mean, it was so hard. But I would take him and I would put him back in bed. And I'd say, listen, buddy, this is dad's time because we know this. 
that if I don't have myself full of the Spirit, I can't pour that out into him. I know it. And so I would wait, and, and we actually established a thing with him because he was such an early bird. We put an alarm clock, a big alarm clock in his bedroom, and we'd say, okay, this number has to hit seven. This one right here. You know what a seven looks like, right? Yes. This number has to be a seven before you come out. If it's not a seven, don't come out. And it can be an eight or a nine, but it has to at least be a seven to come out. Why? Because I have to seek God first, and it's tempting to not do that, to put it off. Oh, he's so cute this morning. No, no, no. Listen, it's important, and it requires discipline. It requires getting up, and it requires effort. But if you will put in the effort to put in the time, you can, you can of course, the Lord says, heal your wounded spirit. You can create a sound mind. That's what God gives us. Not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You can do that for yourself with discipline. Why are you so exhausted? I, it's not because we're not physically getting the rest. It's because we haven't learned how to rest our minds and our spirits. And so that's what we're talking about. What if we started with it? What if we were able to do it the night before? What if we decided instead of sleeping in the next day, which meant I'm going to sleep two extra hours, what if we got it on the front end? What if instead of going to bed at 11, we went to bed at 9 and still got up at the same time? How would that change things? Because you guys know that you get your best sleep, and this is science as well, between 11 and 2 in the morning. But we make the mistake often, and we do this at our house, of I get to sleep in tomorrow until 9 o'clock, so I'm going to go to bed at 1. And we screwed that all up. We just screwed everything up. What if we got it on the front end? What if we learned to do it first? What if we learned to prioritize our spirit and our minds? And to make that difference. I think it would change things radically. So let's talk about this. We're running out of time. Let's talk about these things specifically. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is what it says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for what? Not your body, for your souls. You see, the answer to this and what we need and why we're so exhausted is because we are weary in soul. And so we know that we have to come to him. What does that look like? Well, first, church, we have to start going to church. We've got to start making it a priority first day of the week. We've got to get there. And it's not just because we get to hear the word of God from Ephesians, but because we get to have relationships with one another. My wife had the opportunity this week of going to an adoptive mom's conference. And so she was gone for um, two nights, three days, felt like seven years, but well, well, that's something else. Two nights, three days, and when we got back, you know, we went out to dinner, her and I together, because I wanted to sit down and I wanted to talk to her about it, and I wanted to get out of the house. So that was just the way it was. So we go out to dinner, and I ask her about it, and she was just, she loved it. It was great. She, she said words like authentic. She said words like transparent, vulnerable, encouraging, growth, energizing. To be able to see women who have done it and gone through it before was, was, was something that pushed her along. And that's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 10. It tells us to forsake not the assembling together of believers. That we are to do it so that it spurs one another on in love and good works. You see, we have, we have replaced community and being, to have, being able to have conversations with our mouths 
with having conversations with our fingers, haven't we? We have, we have exchanged that. And there is a facade that is put on by social media that isn't authentic, that isn't real, that isn't transparent. But when you're face to face, when you're shoulder to shoulder, when you can touch each other in kind ways, not like I wanted to do some Michigan fans this morning, but in kind ways. You know, we can be generous with one another. We can love on one another. And we can encourage and spur one another on. What does it take? It takes authenticity. It's not complaining all the time. Because life isn't all bad, right? And, and it's not just blowing smoke, acting like nothing's wrong. But it's about real, authentic relationships and growing together. That's how we do it. Prioritize it for your health. Read your scripture. Get into the word of God. Get into it. Study it. Know it. The Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is the opposite of, of faith? Anxiety. People of anxiety are described as people of little faith by Jesus. How do we grow our faith? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. That's how we grow our faith. We have to learn to get into the scripture. You can read 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. What else do we do, church? We have to learn to make prayer a priority. Prayer. And in that, I include praise and worship. This is how I fight my battles. I'm not anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I make my requests known to God. What do I do? Prayer, supplications, thanksgiving. I fight my battles. I'm not worrying. I turn it over to the Lord. That's what I do. I do it first, and I do it right at the beginning because I want to spend the rest of the day enjoying my life, the life that Jesus has for me, life that is to the fullest. I'm going to turn it over to him. Our minds, Romans 12, 2. We are challenged to renew our minds. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we renew our minds? Well, we have to start by getting rid of the noise, don't we? That there's just so much going on around us. And we actually have gotten to the place where we are almost addicted to the noise. Where we are uncomfortable driving anywhere without the radio playing. Where even when we're sitting there and cooking dinner and it has nothing to do with what we're doing, we have to have the TV on because we have to have the noise. Because we don't like maybe our thoughts or what goes through our minds. And the enemy wants to keep us distracted. And we have to learn to get rid of the noise. Because we need to work through what's going on in our minds and there are so much out there that is just ready to wound our spirits i mean everything we come in contact with is trying to make you feel bad about yourself why because that is how they sell you stuff that is how they get your vote that that is how they move you the direction they want you to and so we live exhausted because our world pushes us that direction we have to get rid of the noise Philippians 4.8, what's number two? We have to think on good things. We have to think on good things. Guys, it, it's, it, it, Pastor Tim always says, can't have a positive life with a negative mind. That's, I, I stand by that. You have to learn to think about the positive things. And here's a reality. I was driving my car the other day, and Ruth was sitting next to me, and I was having a problem. There was a situation that I had to take care of, and it was a pretty rough situation. And out of my mouth, and I felt conviction, out of my mouth I said this, man, Life is just bad. 
And I felt conviction almost instantly. And I actually turned that saying around because right away I was like, you know what? Life isn't bad at all. Like I started to name off all of the great things that were going on in my life. And as things were, were getting better, I mean, I'll be honest with you, my, my soul was downcast because I had a difficult situation. And I was focused on that difficult situation so much that I felt exhausted, wore out, and weary. But as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was convicted in my spirit, and I started to change the way I thought. I started to think about all the great things that I had, how we were healthy and how we were taken care of and how God had come through in all of these other situations. And it instantly it lifted my spirit because it's not all bad. We get focused on one bad thing and we say it's all bad and it's not. Learn to think on good things. Be thankful. Scott talked about that earlier, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He wants you to give thanks. Why? Because that gets your mind off of the negative and onto the positive. And we have to learn to find time to laugh, church. Proverbs 17.22. We have to find time to laugh because a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We have to learn to enjoy things. And in the moment, enjoy them. And, and if we could make that intentional every time, this is every time, there's a good, clean comedian that comes out with a video, I, I, I buy it. Because I know how important it is for our family to laugh together and for me to laugh as well. Because we can get focused on negative things all the time. And, and a merry heart does good like a medicine. It's good to enjoy conversation enjoy certain videos and enjoy those things because there's a lot of negative that is being thrown at you so i mean the reality of this is we have to be careful what we put in we have to guard our hearts and guard our minds like the word says and we have to be intentional 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 i'll get it intentional about what we are investing and putting in ourselves we can't allow the world just continue to throw darts at us and we have to bring things and intentionally put them in ourselves. We have to seek his kingdom first. We need to do things first. We need to move out of rest first. Not just physical rest, but rest for our minds and rest for our spirits. Why are we so tired, church? Once again, this is just a, a shotgun of it. There's so much more to this. Why are we so tired? It's because we haven't learned to take care of our spirit and take care of our mind. And church, if we could learn to do that, what, what a force to be reckoned with the body of Christ would be if we were alert and effective every single day because we were not walking around exhausted and wounded, but we were walking around healthy and full of energy and full of willpower and excitement. And no matter what the enemy threw at us, we had faith in Christ because we took the time to build that faith, to do it right. So let's move out of rest. Let's understand what rest is and let's make it happen. Father, we are excited about what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Lord, I ask that you would continue to lead us in your truth. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's, it's kind of comical to me that as we uh, just fell back last night or this morning, it, I mean, really, who's the crazy person that was up at 2 o'clock in the morning actually moving their clocks back at that time? But anyways, um, as funny as we even fell back today, I noticed a lot of yawning when people were coming in. If we come, I guess you come to realize that rest isn't found 
in sleep, rest isn't found in other things. I, I, I see it in scripture and Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and, kev- and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. The rest isn't found in sleep and in doing the right things. It doesn't found in other things that this world may offer rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus gives us rest. In John 16, 33, one of my favorite scriptures, one of, probably one of my top 10 scriptures, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples and he says, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. So he's telling about how you're, you're getting ready to go. You're going you're gonna to go. You're going you're gonna to face all kinds of different situations and hard times. He says, I've told you all these things so that in me you will have peace. And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. You will have stress. You will have pain. You will have hurt. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Anybody thankful Jesus overcame? Yeah, I'm thankful he overcame so that I can have real rest. I can find peace in Christ. Not in sleeping more, not in watching more Netflix, not in Taco Bell, not in eating donuts, nothing like that, even though a donut's good every once in a while. Um, But it's in Jesus we find rest. It's coming to him and finding rest in him. Let's stand together. Prayer team, could you come forward? I want to encourage us. Let's all right now, let's all just bow our heads. This morning, if you need to come to Jesus, I want you to take this moment in time. I'm going to just be silent for a minute or two. And I want you, maybe if you are... If you've been stressed, if you are needing rest, if you, wherever you're at in this whole situation right now, just want to give you a minute just to be in God's presence. God, I pray for the people in the room whose world has been overwhelming. Their world has just been overwhelming recently. The stresses of this world have just made them unrestful and different things. God, I'm praying for your peace right now to flood their lives. If you're in this room today and you say, Sean, I... I've never given my life to Jesus. I've tried a lot of different things to find rest and comfort in different things, and it always leaves me wanting more. And you realize maybe today that today is the day you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to surrender your life to him. Would you lift your hand? I'd like to pray with you. Anybody in the room say, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time. see any hands. And is there anybody in the room who says, Sean, I've given my life to Jesus. I've raised my hand, prayed prayers before, but I'm just, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. Somewhere along the way, you got lost. 
in your relationship with God and you need to re rededicate your life to him. If that's you today, you need to re rededicate your life to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you as well. See one hand. Anybody else? See another hand. See another hand. Anybody else? You people who raised your hand, I would love to lead you in this prayer right now. In church, I'd like you to say it along with me. Those who raise your hand, though, I want to encourage you to say this and mean it in your heart. God is going to do something in your life right now. I believe it. Church, let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you for your son dying on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Make me like you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. From this day forward, help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate for those three that raised their hand today? If you raise your hand for that, we would love for you to come forward for prayer. I know you're like, Sean, are you going to pray for me again? Yes, I am. Will you bow your heads one more time? If you're in the room and you say, Sean, I need rest. I am stressed to the max and I just need some rest and I need God to move in me right now. Would you just slide your hand up? I want to pray for you. God, you see the hands that are lifted. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, God, that it is more than enough that we need. God, these people right now are coming to you with hands raised saying, I need you now. And God, would you send your Holy Spirit to flood them, give them the peace that you promised, God. May, you, may your rest come upon them right now, God. We pray for restoration right now, for healed hearts right now. Praise you and we thank you for what you're going to do. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you need prayer, we'd love for you to come forward and get prayer. Maybe you just need a little bit more prayer than what I just did there. If you need rest, come forward. We would encourage you to do that. Also, church, we want to remind you, if you want to help with the Thanksgiving dinner for Collide, just talk to Sharon or myself after service. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great Sunday.